I wanna start out our time a little bit different today than we normally do. It's been cool to go through these parables, but the, the point of the parables when, when Jesus gives them to us or to his disciples or Pharisees, whoever he's talking to, is that they leave changed. That something different happens to them. They gain a different perspective. They see life differently to the point that it causes something to shake loose, something to shake loose in their life, a, a different action to happen. And that's no different for us. So I wanna start out, and, and sometimes our, our heart has to follow action. Because let's be honest, we have an enemy. That maybe even for some of us in this room, he began to attack you this morning, try to get you to not come, try to distract you, Maybe you had a fight before you got here with somebody in your family. I know that doesn't happen to anybody else but the Elliott household, right? But whatever it is, maybe you got some bad news. Maybe it's been a tough week. Maybe it's been a tough year. But let's take just a, just a minute. Change our posture, our position for just a second and ask God to do what he set out to do through these parables, and that's to change us. So that we don't leave this room the same, but we leave changed, transformed by the power of the gospel. So I want you to do something specific this morning, and half of you are sweating bullets right now because you have no idea what I'm about to ask you to do. But it's simple. And normally it is simple. Nothing earth-shaking, just a simple gesture, action, posture. Let's say, God, whatever you want. So I want you to do something. As you sit in your seat, I want you to take your hands and I just want you to open them up. Can I tell you, maybe for some of you in this room, it's been a long time since you've taken this posture towards the Lord. Maybe you've never taken this posture towards the Lord. Maybe it's always like this. Man, I hope it's freeing for you to just let go for a minute. And allow God to take over. I'm gonna pray. I'm gonna ask that God would do what only he can do and that's sanctify us, change us, make us something that we weren't before. Pray with me. God, we know that we have no power to change ourselves. We are not good enough. We don't have anything apart from you. That everything that we are and everything that we have comes from you, God. God, I pray that you would put aside any distractions that we may have. You would dispel them, push them away. And you would speak to us clearly over the next few minutes. God, I pray that I wouldn't speak anything that comes from me, but it would only come from you because nobody wants to hear from me. They only wanna hear from you. You're the only one that can change, save, renew, restore, make what was wrong right. So we open up our hands, we open up our heart, and we ask that you would change us through the power of your word and the might of your gospel. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the past few weeks, we've gotten the privilege, which has been uh, just, I think really once in a lifetime thing within the life of our church 
to, to gain this type of perspective. We've been going through parables for the last few weeks as we have invited in other pastors that aren't just random guys. Uh, these dudes have come in and they are people, churches, or they represent people in churches that we as revolution have been able to pour into, whether that's resource or whether that's wisdom, whether it's encouragement, friendship, all that kind of stuff. And we've been able to see what happens even outside the four walls of our church as we begin to just push out and see the gospel go even further than you know, any of us could ever imagine. Um, not only in our own state, as these guys have planted churches, but other states, even other countries, which is, I mean, absolutely amazing to know that we get to be a part of something that big, that it's not just really the four walls of our church or our seats, but it goes way beyond that to fulfill even what Jesus said is go spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And I hope, that, I hope that really makes you excited. And if you haven't listened to the guys that, that we brought in from the outside to speak to us, it's worth going back and listening because these guys, I mean, they have, they have trusted in Jesus to the point that they have ups, upset their whole life in the pursuit of their call and what God has asked them to do. And, and they're worth listening to. And then you've gotten to hear from, you know, obviously the, the guys that God has called into ministry in our own church um, to preach, and they are phenomenal. And I, I enjoy hearing those guys every time they step on stage. So if you haven't listened to these, go back and listen to them, catch up, because man, what they have to say, it's good. And, and it's worth taking our time. Today, we are gonna continue uh, with a parable um, that, I think it, well, it's, it's really important, I think, in, in this time of, of the year. It's not happen chance that we're, we're talking about this because I think it's really pertinent to, to what's going on in our life. And, and, and it, it is worth examining on a regular basis. And we're talking about today um, probably a well-known parable called the parable of the talents. But before we get there, we have to understand where we are and what Jesus is talking about because this parable is, is sandwiched in between two other parables. And Jesus is trying to explain something that we don't fully understand because we haven't seen it. And he's trying to lay out this scenario for us so that we can, we can walk in it, understand it, and operate in it. And this, this parable is sandwiched between two other parables that they all go together. Who doesn't like a good sandwich, right? Especially, you know, it's getting about that time. I didn't think that was that funny, but I, man, I'm gonna have to hold on to that one. But Jesus has sandwiched this, this parable in between two others. It's super important to understand why. The first parable, the top piece of bread, is the parable of the 12 virgins. And it talks about these, these 12 virgins that are waiting on their bridegroom to come. And to sum up this real quick, Jesus is saying, and we have to understand that there's a party coming. There is something coming that you are, you are gonna have to prepare for. It's worth preparing for. And he's obviously talking about his return. And he's saying, listen, it, it's coming and you wanna be ready for it. You wanna be able to, to go in to the party and it's gonna take preparation. The bottom piece of bread is a parable called the sheep and the goats. And you read a, a portion of that before the message. When Jesus is talking about, listen, this is how we operate in, in this meantime. As, as we're waiting on, on the return of Christ, we're, we're supposed to operate in a certain manner as believers, is that we're always looking around to see how we can help, how we can step in, how we can resource somebody else, encourage somebody else, help somebody else when they're struggling in their time of need. And he says, listen, you're gonna... You helped the poor and you fed the, the hungry and you took care of the sick and, and you had your head on a swivel. You were always looking around, not to self, but the things outside. And Jesus says, when you did it to somebody other than you, when you helped out, when you stepped in to situations in somebody else's life, you were doing it to me too. And the meat of this sandwich, because you gotta have meat on the sandwich. 
Nobody wants to eat that, that cheeseburger thing. That the, have you seen that thing online? The cheeseburger thing in, I think it was like Korea or something like that. It's like 24 slices of cheese and then bread. And I'm like, what the, it's like the ultimate cheeseburger. No, it's not. It's cheese and bread. It ain't, it ain't a hamburger. If you haven't, you can go look it up later. That was free. You can enjoy your afternoon by looking up this crazy cheeseburger. But nobody wants to eat anything like that. This is the meat of what Jesus is getting into. Because listen, he, he lays out this story that gives us a, a very clear picture and example of what he wants to do with us, how he wants to do it with us. You got your Bibles. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. We're gonna start in, in verse 14. And I wanna start like this because if we're, if we're summing up all of them, I'm, I'm gonna give us a starting point or a foundation to sum this up as we unpack it. And there, it's a, it is a simple phrase that I, I think is so important for us to understand what Jesus is trying to get to and, and help you to have a context going into this. Because the message of this parable is don't waste your life. Don't waste it. Don't waste what I've given to you. Because I've called you to something and, I, and I'm gonna give you everything you need to accomplish it. Don't waste it. Okay, verse 14. We're gonna get super far into this before we, start, before we stop. Verse 14 says, for it... Stop. It. What is it? He says, for it will be like. So he's giving an example. He's, he's saying, listen, this is what it's gonna be like when you come to this event that he's describing right now, especially in all three of these parables. He's describing this specific time and event that will occur for every single one of us. And there will be a time where all of us stand before God and give an account for what we've done. That's it. And I want you to understand this, that there will, there be, a, there will be a moment in time where you stand before the creator of all things. And he will ask some certain questions, specific questions about our life and what we did, how we did it, Revelation tells us of, of these two events, and we have to know them and understand them because they're coming. The first one is the judgment of salvation. And I'm, I'm giving that in a short phrase so you kind of understand. But what's gonna happen to this is we know gonna, there's gonna have to be given an account. And, Jesus, and God's gonna say, listen, why should the door be open to you? Why should I let you in, for lack of a better term, and Peter's not gonna be standing there, by the way. I just wanna lay that out. But there's gonna have to be an account for that. And there are two answers that we can give. One is, I got this. Man, did you see the size of that tip that I left that waitress one time? It was amazing. It was 22%, not 20%. Or, let me hit a little closer to home. Did you see all those supplies that I purchased for Give a Kid a Chance? Did you see how good I was, God? That was amazing. Isn't that enough? Can I, I mean, I did, I did some really cool things throughout my life. And that is one option, which is called self-atonement. We are atoning, we got enough to pay for our admission, self-atoning. Now the second option, when God says, why? And your simple answer is, believe me, it was nothing I did. It's all on Jesus. Not my righteousness, but him, which is called substitutionary atonement that Jesus stepped into our place, that he paid the price for us. He atoned for our sin. 
He wiped it all away so that when we step into that moment and God says, why? And you say, Jesus, period, nothing else. Now, there's a second type that Revelation points out to us, and that is the, how we account for the resources and time that we were given, what we did with it. And Jesus here is laying out, this is, this is what he's laying out in this parable, is what it's gonna be like. When we stand in that moment and God says, well, what did you do with what I gave you? How, how did you use it? And here's the cool thing. Jesus tells us. We don't have to guess. We don't have to be like, well, I'll just, I'll just start making some stuff up and hope it's, it's good. Jesus tells us exactly what we're supposed to do. For it will be like a man going on a journey. And we have to understand the characters in the story. We're not gonna get very far. The man in the story is God. He's going on a journey. And no doubt that Jesus is setting up what's about to happen to him, how he's, he is going to be crucified. He's going to be resurrected on the third day and then he will go away. And he's saying, listen, I'm giving this thing to you. I've shown you what to do, go, go and do it. But it'd be like a man going on a journey. The man is God. Who called his servants? Who are the servants? Us. And entrusted to them his property. Whose property was it? His. It's important for us to understand all those scenarios because throughout this, this story, as we unpack it, God is speaking to us. And he's speaking to us about what he gives us. And understand, and you're gonna understand in just a second that what he gives us, we didn't earn, we didn't get. He, he gives it and he gives all of it down to the very breath that we have in our lungs. It has all been given to us. The ideas in your mind, the job that you have, the family you have, the relationships you have, the seat that you sit in, everything that you know and can see and imagine and feel has been given to you. And if that's the case, if it's been given to you, are we the owners of it? No. Then what are we? Stewards. Caretakers. Been given to us for a short time, for a purpose, to do something with it. And watch what God does here, okay? Verse 15. To one, he gave five talents. To another, two. To another, one. To each according to his ability. Then he went away. He gave him five talents, two talents, one talent, three guys. Now, what's a talent? In what is described here, a talent's not like something that you're good at, like I can play guitar, right? That's not what he's describing. He's actually describing a, a weight, which is about 80 pounds. And in that day, the currency was silver. So 80 pounds of silver was about 6,000 days wages or 15 or 20 years of pay for a day labor, okay? Or in today's money, a little over a million dollars. So $5 million, $2 million, $1 million. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the money. I want you to understand that. Has, I want you to get that out of your mind. It has nothing to do with the money. It has to do with how valuable it is. And what I mean by that is this is not something small. This, this master, this man has handed over to his servants something very, very significant. 
life-changing. Something, it's not like, here's here's $5, I'll be back in a little while. He's given them something that, I mean, literally will transform their life. Will give them resource to do all kinds of stuff, good or bad. He's handed them something that it is either going to enrich or destroy. It's significant. The second thing that we have to understand is that he gives each of them the amount that he gives them based on their ability. What does that tell us? It tells us one thing that they have a, this this master of, of these servants has a relationship with them. He knows them. If he knows their ability, is we, we can ascertain that this, this master has spent time with them, understands their strengths and weaknesses, has poured into them wisdom and process and what to do and what not to do. The master has tested them. How do you know somebody's ability? The only way to know is to test them, which takes time and effort. It doesn't just happen over time. If, if you've ever led somebody or have, have discipled somebody or mentored somebody into something to get them to a certain level or to, for them to gain an attribute, then, then you know that it takes time to do those things. And you figure out different things about each other along the way but the master took time to do this. The master is calculated and merciful. He doesn't just hand it to them like just willy-nilly, because I think think this is taken at a certain time in the life of these servants, because the master has, has examined them and he says, listen, I know by the time that I've spent with you, what I've poured into you, what I've given to you, that you can handle this. I know that you can. By what I have given to you, you can handle it. And I think God does the same thing for us. He gives us what we need at the right time. Not based on us, but based on him. If God is the man and we are the servants, Jesus is describing our relationship with him and how he treats us. God's not saying at any point, and God will never say this, hey, I need you to go figure this out. I'm not gonna give you anything. I'm not gonna help you. I'm not gonna be there with you. That's not, what it, that's not our relationship with him. He steps in. He is present every step of the way. He's not asking for anything on top of what he's shown us. Verse 16. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also, he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Again, we see, we have to understand they received it. He gave it to them, they received it. They didn't have it before. And then they went at once. The five and the two, they went at once, immediately. And the reason that this is important is because we know that delayed obedience is disobedience. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Now, I have a 14-year-old son. I live in the midst of this right now. And it's funny because Isaac, he, he told me, he was, like, he was like, Dad, will you add me into the message? I was like, absolutely, I will. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> He's listened to the message already, so we've already hashed this out. But <laughs> and I, I'm telling you, I, I, I love Isaac to death. Man, he is such a joy. But I know 
that when I go to Isaac and I say, hey, buddy, I need you to clean up this room because there are things growing in that room that are ungodly. (laughs) When I make that request, I know that that's not the only time I'm gonna have to make that request. I'm gonna have to go back to him again and be like, you don't understand. Our house is about to implode if you don't clean that room up, right? And I know like in, the, in that process, and you see this happen, like I ask him to do it, and literally, like five seconds later, something has distracted him to the point that he doesn't do it. But if I look at my own life, man, how often does that happen? When God has asked me to do something or shows me what to do, and I'm like, oh, squirrel. Something shiny over there, right? And the danger, and, and, and this is important for under, to understand, is that the danger in, in the delayed obedience is when there's time in between what's been asked of us and the execution of it, things distract us, they get in the way. We begin to make excuses sometimes that, oh, I don't, is that really what he said? I forget. Uh, he didn't mean that. He didn't mean this. I can kind of make up my own way, do it differently than how he asked me to do it. Nah, I don't really need to do it at all. It's fine. That's what happens over the passing of time with this delayed obedience. But these guys, the first two, they went at once and did what they were supposed to do, what they knew to do. All right, verse 19. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have, made me, you have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Now we have to, again, we have to examine what's going on here to understand what's happening. These two guys, they were given the five and the two talents. They react a certain way when the master comes back. First, they come forward. They come forward to return their talents. I I think we have to acknowledge that because it's important that uh, they take the posture, we're returning this. What could have happened is, I got $5 million dollars. I'm out, right? I'm leaving. I'm gonna go away because, you know, I got all this money. Or 10, I say 10 million. $10 million, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm getting out of here, right? So they present it to him. The second thing, super important. They started with gratitude. They started with being grateful, understanding that they had been given what they had. Because they say to him, Master, you delivered to me five talents. All this came from you. They didn't take the position that, well, I I am a self-made man. I I I am so good and awesome. Look what I have brought to you. They knew where their resource started from. They knew that they wouldn't have multiplied anything. Nothing would have happened if the master hadn't first entrusted them with these talents. If you don't hear anything today, man, listen to this. Because this is, this is, 
And, and Jesus is about to explain something that is so crucial for us to understand as believers. When we, when we strive to emulate the master and what pleases him, what pleased the master, and it says it in here, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. The master didn't, he didn't say, oh, thank you for making me a whole lot richer than I was. That's not what he said. That's not what his focus was on. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. What pleased him was the, the faithfulness of these guys. The faithfulness of them. And what's that, what that means, and I hope you understand this, is that God's not after anything that you can create and make. He is after your faithfulness to do what he has shown you to do. That's all you're responsible for. That's all I'm responsible for, is to emulate, to copy what Jesus has done, and I do the same thing. I don't, make, I don't have to make up anything. I don't have to come up with anything on my own. What I'm responsible for is just to do what Jesus does. And then on that day, again, that Jesus is describing when we stand before God and he says, what did you do? I did what Jesus did. I just I followed Jesus. I, I tried to copy what Jesus did would do. What happens from faithfulness? Because this is important. What happens from our faithfulness is something very specific and miraculous. It's multiplication. When we are faithful and we do what Jesus has positioned us and, and called us and given us examples to do, is our life begins to multiply. What Jesus has done with us begins not, to, not only to multiply just into somebody else, which is the Great Commission, we are to disciple, but then that person disciples. We disciple our family. We disciple those around us. We begin to emulate Jesus to the point that it it goes out from us and it begins to transfer to somebody else to the point that it not only affects the people immediately around us, but it, it affects the generations that we will maybe never even see. That's multiplication. Even when we're gone from this earth, if we will copy Jesus, multiplication of our life will continue when this body stops working. And here's the thing. I know in our, in our own culture, in our own society, we are lulled into this idea that there is a, there's a, a pathway that is, that is going to fulfill us. And we're lulled in to, to a process that says, well, if I go, if I go to college or I, I get a job and I work for decade after decade after decade after decade after decade, I think that's way too many decades. I think you're like 120 years old at that point. But, and then at that point, I'm going to retire. And then I'm gonna buy a beach house or an RV and I'm gonna just sit there. Yeah. That sounds awesome. And in the meantime, man, in the meantime, I'm gonna try to keep up with everybody around us. And when they buy an RV, I'm gonna buy one. And when they buy a boat, I'm gonna buy one. And when they buy a sports car, I'm gonna buy one. And when they buy a bigger house, I'm gonna buy one too. And it's gonna be amazing. Which actually, if you do that, you won't get to retirement because you won't have any money left. 
free financial coaching. But that's what we're, we are lulled into that idea. We're lulled into thinking that that is what is, is going to satisfy. It's gonna fill us up. And it is the best we can do. I wanna tell you it's a lie. Because all that junk is addition, which actually leads to subtraction. If you've ever bought an RV, you know that's true. Jesus is calling us to an equation that equals not just these additional things that we can add for a temporary time in our life. He's giving us a model of multiplication that does not end. It does not stop. The gospel will not quit when it is planted and started in us. The second thing that I, I, I need you to know is that this also addresses the trap and destroys the trap of comparison. That we just compare ourselves to everything else and we've got to stop that junk. We have got to start just looking at Jesus and saying, okay, it's not about everything that I'm looking at over here. I just need to look at Jesus. That's all I'm responsible for. That's all I'm called to. That, that us going on Instagram is not what we, what we strive for and what we see in people's highlight reels is what we strive for, but we come back to the truth of the master and we say, what has he asked me to do? Okay, now to the last servant. And he also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But the master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gathered where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming you should have received, I should have received what was mine with interest. You see a different posture from the third guy. He comes and first, he starts accusing his master. No gratitude. He says, I knew you were a hard man. Now listen, if you want to raise from your boss, this is bad. Don't go to him and be like, listen, you're kind of a jerk. You know, you could, you know, it's up, up and to the right from here. Now that, you, now that I've imparted that to you and, and you know that you're a jerk, you can change your ways. Don't do that. Don't do that, okay? But that's what this, this servant does. He comes, I mean, everything that this, this guy, this master has given to the servant and he comes and like, I knew you were a hard man. And then he becomes, he takes his self-righteous righteous posture and he, he starts calling out his methods. He says, well, I know that you reaped where you did not sow and you gathered where you scattered no seed. And he starts, he takes his self-righteous posture and he's like, I, I don't even know if your methods work real good. They may not even be ethical. What do you think about that? I don't, I don't know if you've ever done that, but I have done that. God, I got this. I know that you said this, this, and this, but I, I may have a little bit better way to do things, right? I'm being honest. None of you have ever done that. I have, okay? But listen, he begins to take this, this self-righteous posture and, and begins to start pointing out, which is funny because what he actually points out is that he knows exactly what to do from the master. His master's an investor. He goes and he, he buys things that will then multiply. He invests things. He invests his resource into what will multiply, what will gain a profit, what will bring a return. And the servant says, well, I, don't, I don't know if that's gonna work. And he makes all these excuses. He knew what to do. But our God is a God of action. 
We know that because he took action on our part. And if this master, the representative of God, God goes to him and he calls, out, calls him out, calls his servant out and he says, you wicked and slothful servant. He points out, this is not you being afraid, this is not you not knowing what to do, you were just lazy. You figured you could just bury what I gave you in the ground and pass your time and give it back to me. You wasted it. You wasted the time that you had. And God being a God of action and our our example being Jesus, God didn't even do that towards us, which he had every right to. Because in all reality, Jesus could have said, that's sin's their problem. We set this whole thing up perfect and they messed it up. They're on their own. No, that's not the example that we're given. Jesus is not the example. Even to the point of his own detriment and sacrifice, Jesus stepped into our problem, which is death, by the way. He stepped into our problem and said, I got this. I can solve the problem. I know what to do. I'll go to the cross. An example that that we're given, God says, listen, I've given you everything that you need. Take action. I've shown you what to do. I've given you the resource that you need to do it. Just take my example. Verse 28, we'll finish out. So take the talent from him. He says, master says, take the talent from the third guy that buried it and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has been given will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The only point I have for this message. And it is the point of this parable. Don't waste your life. Don't waste what God's given you. If God's given you something, then then use it. Not for addition. Multiplication. And then you'll understand what it means to live a life of joy. To enter into what God has for us that fulfills us and sustains us. Brings us purpose and life. I'm gonna close with this. If you know my story at all, I mean, this was, this was me. I, I got saved when I was 16, trusted the Lord. I knew after that, not long after that, that the Lord had called me into ministry. Guess what I said? No. No, thanks. I'm good. I'm gonna love you, Jesus. I'm gonna follow you everywhere else except for that. Because here's the deal. And I, again, my delayed disobedience caused this. I took the position that, well, here's the thing, God. If you want me to go into ministry, I'm, I don't know if that's gonna pan out like you think it is. But if I go over here and I like make all this money and have all this success and do all these things that I wanna do, then what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna give it all back to you. It's gonna be amazing. And God in his mercy and kindness continued to pursue me shaped me to the point that when I went to college, one night he woke me up in the middle of the night, reminded me that my life was not mine, that it was his, and he's called me to something greater than 
that I had in my mind that was gonna be something that fulfilled my life. I got up and changed my major to Christian ministries and I'm standing here right now. And what I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is what God has done in my life and in my family, I would not trade for the idea of fulfillment back then. Not if you multiplied that a thousand times, I wouldn't trade it. And that's multiplication. And here's the, here's the incredible thing. It wasn't even me that did it. Can I tell you God did that in me? I can't take credit for any of that. God even placed the faithfulness inside of me to even change, reposition myself, redirect myself, to take a posture of repentance from where I was going to where I needed to go. And in his loving kindness, as a good father, he said, I've got so much better for you. You'll just surrender to me. My question for you is, do you have buried talents? Have you buried some stuff? Things that God has asked you to do, resource that he's given you that maybe you just put in the ground or, or put it somewhere else other than copying him with it. And here's the, here's the open hand part. Go dig it up. If you can hear my voice in this place, it's not too late. You're not standing in a place where you're giving an account for, for what you've done. There's still time. You still have the ability to go dig that talent up and begin to use that resource with the example that Jesus has given us. Now go do it. You can't unknow now. Sorry. But I promise you that there will never be a moment where you look back and be like, huh, nah, my idea was better. I promise you it won't happen. And some of you, maybe you're a college student in here, maybe you know that God's called you into ministry and it's time for you to change your major. Mine was business. Maybe for, for you, maybe it's somebody that it's time for you to forgive or ask forgiveness. Maybe it's some things that you have taken on and, and you say, well, I know that that's God's way to do it, but I'm not going to because of, you know, it cost me too much or too much time, too much resource, too, whatever, whatever the excuse is. Or I don't even know if that's the right way to do things anyways. And some, sometimes it's as simple as, hey, I, and I, need, I need to start serving in my church. Maybe you've sat here for a long time You've warmed your seat long enough. It's time for you to step in and say, God, where have you equipped me? What are the talents that you've given me to invest in my church? Maybe for some, it's time for you to start tithing. Say, listen, I know that God's given me a resource. God's provided this for me. Why in the world would I not, in turn, resource the gospel going forward in the world? Why would I not do that? Whatever it is, I promise you, you're not gonna wanna trade it. Doing it God's way for yours. Pray with me. God, we love you and we thank you for the truth of your word. I pray, God, that, um, you, that you would change us Please don't let us walk out of this room and say, eh, I don't know if what he's saying is true. I'm gonna keep doing it my way.
God, I pray that you would even give us in this room that are scared to step forward because we know it's gonna cost us something. I pray that you would give us the strength to do it, the faithfulness to do it, just like you did me. Don't let us leave here unchanged. We waste more resource and more time in addition things instead of stepping into multiplication. Now, if you're in this room and, and you've never begun a relationship with Jesus, you've never started following him, I wanna give you the chance to do that because you can't follow the master unless you have one. You've declared him the one who gets to call the shots and accepted his substitutionary atonement instead of trying to pay your own way. And it's time today just to surrender your life to him. And if that's you, I just want you to, I'm gonna pray with you. There's nothing magical about this prayer. It's just me helping you converse with God. And it goes like this. God, I want to make you the Lord and master of my life. I want to surrender my life to you. I don't wanna be somebody that just tries and adds and subtracts and never gets anywhere. God, I want you to multiply something in my life. Do something in me that I can't do. I surrender everything to you today. If that's you, I want you to do something really simple. And you say, you said that with me or some version of it. If you surrendered your life to Christ today, I want you to do something. I want you to just raise your hand as high as you can. Leave it up for just a minute. We got people all around the room that wanna give you a gift to kind of help you start that journey with the Lord. For the rest of us in the room. Dig up your talent. If you got it buried, dig it up. Now. Don't let another second, another minute go by in delayed obedience, but go dig it up. If you trust the Lord, put it there in action. Put your trust in action and allow God to do in you what only he can do with his resource and his power and his ability. Dig it up, use it. See what he'll do. God, we love you and we thank you for the power and strength of your word. I pray that it would not be void in this place, but it would change us. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. Love you, church.